Welcome to this week's episode of the Sustainer segment. My name is Danielle Zuccaro and I'm the Sustaining Donor Coordinator with LifeSite News. We welcome you to our final episode of 2021. We hope you've enjoyed our Sustainer segments up until this point and we look forward to recommencing our Sustainer segments in the new year. So enjoy this week's episode. I'll remind you before we begin that we are currently in the middle of our Christmas fundraising campaign. So if you feel called to make a donation to LifeSite, please head on over to LifeSiteNews.com and you'll find our donate button in the top right hand corner of the page. If you'd like to become a monthly donor, one of our sustaining donors, you will get the awesome opportunity of submitting questions each week to John Henry for answering on this show, as well as many other perks including behind the scenes, uh, info from our journalists on the ground, and exclusive breaking news updates from time to time. So head on over to LifeSite News and become a monthly donor if you feel called to. We'll begin as we always do with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Welcome, John Henry. Thank you again for being here on our Sustainer segment. Thank you, Danielle. Good to be here as always. Well, we have a variety of questions this week, ranging from the pro-life issue all the way to the vaccines once again. But first off, this comes through my inbox every week for the sustainer segment is, can you give us an update on your daughter, Mary Catherine, and how her prognosis is? I regret to say it's not not all positive news, uh, or I'd love it to be. Um, So Mary Catherine has been um, dealing with this issue for quite some time now. She had a basically a break from any seizures for a couple of weeks there. Then she went back, had some more, and then went off again and on again. So that's what we've been dealing with back and forth. Um, she did have a bit of a trial. We, of course, had to pull her out of out of college. Um, hoped that she could go back in January, and we knew that that wasn't to be. So she went to work for a little bit, um, and she took a night shift. And uh, she collapsed uh, a couple of times, actually, and had to go to hospital. And so I spent the night in the hospital with her. Um, and it was just informed us that it, it's associated with tiredness somehow, too. It doesn't, um, that that seems to bring on seizures. So uh, any prayers that you could continue to say for Mary Catherine and for our family are most appreciated. Her spiritual life has stayed strong. Um, you know, with her working now, she's not able to come to daily mass with me all the time, but uh, she's very committed to that. And uh, it's beautiful to see. And in the end, that's really what it's all about. And so if it had to be, you know, if you had to decide between a physical health for your child and spiritual health for your child, there's there's no decision to be made. Spiritual health is what it's all about. And uh, that's what we're alive for anyway. Well, we'll continue to be praying for her. And I know many, many of our donors tell me all the time that they're still praying. So we'll keep up those prayers. Our next question is from Liz in Conway, UK. And she writes, I discovered LifeSite during the lockdown in 2020. I was just blown away by your truthful, passionate reporting. It is so good to see truthful Christian men and women with a passion for the truth. Looking at the starter of the John Henry Weston show, he has been reporting on the church and Christian issues for years. I would like to ask what led him to choose this career and how did it lead to LifeSite News? Thank you, Liz, for the question. That's a very strange uh, little thing. Um, so, yes, LifeSite has been going now for nearly 25 years. In fact, uh, next year will be our 25th anniversary year. And uh, it is, um, it's really a work of the Lord. The way it started was really odd for me. I was in 
psychology. I had a massive conversion uh, before that. I was really living on the other side of this question, mostly as a hedonist. Um, and uh, that's for a different story. But in terms of working for LifeSite News, it was very interesting because I was I had finished an MA in psychology at University of Toronto, and uh, I had a big fat scholarship for a PhD and uh, had just gotten married. Didn't feel called to go on to the PhD for a very important reason. Psychology, you're able to do a lot for people, but especially in a secular place like Canada, uh, you're unable to attach the profession to really being able to share with people the ultimate healing. Um, I could have, yes, provided advice to people on how to better their lives, get emotions under control, deal with abnormal psychology, especially to children, et cetera, et cetera, and do a really great service that way. However, I knew I wouldn't be able to give them the fullness of the truth. I knew that I could say, here's something you could do. There's something much better you could do, but I can't give that to you. I couldn't do that because I had converted not so long before that to the full life in Christ through, you know, true devotion to Mary. And it was so impactful for my life. And I knew it meant everything in a way. And so I, I couldn't go on with just being able to offer people half measures. And so that was my not wanting to go on with psychology. It was a very big decision, uh, you know, newly married and, and, and with a hugely lucrative career ahead of me and, and prestigious and whatnot, but to give it up. Anyway, that was, that was one thing. But then I uh, was telling my wife at the time, uh, who by the way at the time was, was evangelical and not a Catholic, that St. Joseph would find me a job and uh, that I probably didn't go down well, but nonetheless, um, I was at a daily mass um, and in my pew, there was a, a lady, a young lady with a head covering on. And uh, of course, it was well after Holy Communion, because at the time without kids, you could say a longer Thanksgiving. But anyway, the priest was going to lock up the church. He is asked if we were together. We said no. And he sort of said, introduced us and then left. And we were sort of left there. And so I tried to make some small talk. Very first thing she said to me uh, was, uh, we shouldn't talk here. We're in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And then she left the church. So I turned around to the Blessed Sacrament and made my genuflection, and I told our Lord, oh, she's one of yours, eh? And uh, so I walked out of the church, and she was waiting for me on the steps of the church. And her very first question, I kid you not, was, do you have a job? And I thought that was really odd. And But I knew somehow uh, that whatever she would tell me is what God wanted for me. So I said, no. And she said, good, I have a job for you. And uh, she said, the interim newspaper needs people to sell the paper. Now, the interim is a, is a pro-life newspaper in Canada and uh, for people to sell the papers. I was so convinced that this was from our Lord that nothing occurred to me other than this is what you're supposed to do. So I, I we were staying at my in-law's place. And so I sort of ran back to my wife and, and told her, I told you St. Joseph would get me something. And um, I told her what it was. Uh, she was not enthusiastic at all. In fact, she said something like, so you mean to tell me you're going to give up seven years post-secondary so that you can become a paper boy? Um, and um, anyway, a couple of weeks later, I drove down to Toronto where uh, we were um, to interview, where I was to interview with, uh, with the head of the distribution for the paper, met her and so on. And then I was asked to see if I wanted to meet Jim Hughes. Jim Hughes is the head of Campaign Life Coalition, the biggest pro-life group in Canada, the most famous. And, uh, you know, I'd seen her on TV and so on. So I said, sure, sure, I'll go and meet Jim. 
And uh, I walked over to, to where he was. The very first thing he said to me was uh, not at all polite. Um, he said, um, what the heck is this? He didn't say heck. He said the other word with the two hockey sticks at the end. And he threw on the table in front of him uh, my resume. And so uh, I said, oh, it's, it's my CV. And, you know, it was full of good things. It was, uh, I was a researcher at the University of York University first, then University of Toronto, even a short stint in um, overseas as well. And um, he was very uh, nonplussed. He, uh, in fact, was very gruff with me. He said, are you for real? Um, after a little while, I learned, uh, this is later on I learned, he thought I was a spy for Planned Parenthood. And um, with, with some good reason, my whole resume was full of academic pursuits, research and so on, had nothing to do with selling the paper or anything like that. It was all in psychology. And uh, so it didn't make any sense. Anyway, I didn't understand at the time. But what I did understand is that he would know my dad. My dad was a supporter of Campaign Life Coalition. He was a very, very faithful Catholic. Um, and so I told him, look, you don't know me, but you know my dad. His name is Henry Weston. And yes, I know he's a white guy with blue eyes, but that's because I'm mixed. My mom's from India. My dad's from uh, Dutch German. And uh, his name is Henry Weston. And I'm John Henry Weston. And uh, Jim totally changed at that point from gruff and mean and very, very suspicious to, ah, okay. And he told me, basically, you can work for us. You cannot sell the paper for us. And uh, he got me doing research. The research led eventually to daily reports uh, that Jim, as head of Campaign Life, yes, but also part of International Right to Life, I guess, would send sometimes to uh, other leaders in the movement. So we had this daily email. Um, it was variously called CLC Daily News Alerts and whatever else. But it was interesting because I started halfway through that to interviewing people because I said, hey, look, we're just doing news clips right now, snippets of what's going on in the world. And uh, I noticed that uh, another organization that had just started called Catholic World News um, and Phil Lawler, I, I knew him at the time, this is back in 1995, uh, had started and they were doing this same sort of thing for the Catholic world and they were interviewing people. I said, hey, I can call the leaders of the pro-life movement and get comment on all this stuff that's going on. So we put out, you know, three to five stories a day every day, uh, just little clips by email, nothing uh, when the computers were so slow, it was impossible. Um, and then in 1997, Jim asked his right-hand man, Steve Jelsevac, to uh, make a website. In fact, he said, you need to make an internet. Um, <laughs> and uh, so Steve uh, hired out um, someone we still both know, Tony Chasta, to build the first site for LifeSite. And uh, that was built. And then someone made the suggestion to put John Henry's news thing on the website. Uh, that was done. And then what Campaign Life noticed was that people were coming to the website mostly only for the news on the front of it. And uh, that was, oh, that was kind of frustrating for them because they wanted them to see their content and so on. So eventually we split them into two different websites. Uh, and so Campaign Life Coalition had its own website and LifeSite its own website. We were carried that way for years until we sort of outgrew Campaign Life and they very happily... Uh, we parted ways, not in any formal way, uh, excuse me, not in any um, antagonistic way, but uh, we were sort of birthed out of campaign life. So that's the history there. And thanks for the question, Liz. All right. Our next question comes to us from Tom in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Tom writes, I believe that if Roe v. Wade is overturned, 
even modified somewhat, Planned Parenthood will, will gradually disappear. The story goes that Planned Parenthood was vital, quote unquote vital, because there weren't enough pregnant women, pregnant mother care centers available in the early 70s. How much weight does the existence of alternative care centers for pregnant mothers carry with the court's decision and what kind of presentation has been made to the courts about this subject? Do you have access to this information about existing alternative care centers for pregnant mothers located in the United States? Planned Parenthood really exists today uh, as a government entity. It's most of the money comes into Planned Parenthood from the government. Even the abortions that are paid for are often paid through Medicare and so on. So without the grants from government, uh, you know, Planned Parenthood really would cease to exist. They don't have a donor base the way pro the pro-life movement does because there's not there's not really the people that are going to be funding it other than those who are into population control like Bill Gates and company. Now, uh, with regard to uh, the Supreme Court decision, hopefully we'll see that um, certain states will, I mean, if, if Roe v. Wade got overturned, it would basically turn abortion back to the states for arbitration. And then the states, some of the states have already said uh, they're going to make it a sanctuary, their states a sanctuary for life so that abortion will be, the killing of unborn children will be forbidden in those states. And that would just be full protection for those children uh, in, in law, which would be just awesome. And that's what we're all looking for. Um, but certain states, California for one, have said that they would uh, become an abortion sanctuary the other way. What a ridiculous term for that, but nonetheless, what, they, what they've said, so that people could come there and, and still uh, kill their babies and, and they would invite others to do so. So this would, it would move things to the state level. And with regard to pregnancy resource centers, there are many of those uh, that are open to people that, that uh, are trying to help people, especially help people decide for life. And LifeSite has a good resource page, which um, Daniela will get you to put in the links at the bottom of this video uh, so that people can find where to go to on our site to get to all the different pregnancy resource centers. Now, our final question is a very good one from Anne in Tennessee. And she says, how do you handle spiritual warfare? I have a family member on my husband's side of the family, his mother and sister, who are into the occult. I wanted to know how you deal with it. You all are on the front lines. Any advice, I will take it. I already use exercised holy water and salt, the St. Benedict medal, the rosary, and frequent confession. That's an awesome start. To unpack that, the, the St. Benedict medal, very, very powerful in terms of protection uh, holy water, and and I would I would suggest instead of just normal blessed water, which is what you'll find in most of the churches right now, you find a priest who will do exorcism water, which is basically holy water in the old style before the uh, 1960s. Uh, in the church, they they changed the rite of of making of holy water, if you will. Uh, one of the comments at the time from Gabriel Amorth, who was the head um, exorcist in Rome, he said, "Are you trying to kill us?" Uh, because the sort of blessed water compared to the holy water uh, does little in terms of fighting the demons, and they kind of laugh at it. So it's an important thing, important distinction to make. Uh, definitely frequent confession, because that gives the, the demons the, uh, the repels them from the normal foothold that they might have. Um, but we do something, uh, and you're right, being on the front lines of the, of the pro-life movement and, and what we're doing specifically at LifeSite does make us prone targets, if you will, uh, for spiritual attack. And we've had that. We've had crazy stuff going on over the years at LifeSite 
uh, where we've had, uh, you know, things, computers in disparate places all go down at the same time. Uh, just totally unexplainable um, spiritual attack. And uh, we've actually encouraged staff to bless their computers with, with the holy water should things go wrong. And, and sometimes that, in fact, does the trick. So um, one of the things that was recommended to us, and, and I do at home very regularly, in fact, every night, um, is the Auxilium Christianorum prayers. Um, they are put out for laity, and um, Auxilium Christianorum is a Latin name, but they're beautiful prayers uh, that involve exorcism. They, they are layman's version of exorcism prayers, and they pray through the intercession or help of a bunch of priests that are part of this society, which include, by the way, Bishop Athanasius Schneider, um, and, and it's really put out by the famous U.S. exorcist, Chad Ripperger. And uh, these prayers are suggested. There's even an app for it. Um, and you have a regular set of prayers, which mostly set around the, the litany of the precious blood of Jesus, and also involve a daily prayer. And uh, it's, uh, it's very Marian-focused as well. So I recommend that for you. And uh, thank you so much for the question. Thank you so much, John Henry. That brings us to the end of this week's questions, but we will be sure to recommence in 2022. And again, to our audience, you can head over to LifeSite News. We are in the middle of our Christmas fundraising campaign, which ends on Christmas Eve. So be sure to make a donation if you feel called to in the top right-hand corner of LifeSiteNews.com. And if you'd like to become a sustaining donor, you can be privy to our Sustain Life monthly giving program which includes various perks, including the ability to submit questions for this sustainer segment. And just before we leave, um, I just wanted to say thank you, uh, especially at this time of year as we finish the rest of Advent, as we enter the holy season of Christmas. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for enabling us to do what we do to serve you with the truth on life, faith, family, and freedom. It means so much to us, to our families. Um, and also wanted to wish you a happy and holy Christmas. Um, really, we are all a family at LifeSite, and uh, you can tell that in our staff meetings big time. And uh, you are really part of what we do. You give us what we need to do what we do. And uh, I know you spread that truth to others, and I pray it's of great benefit to you, your spiritual lives, and uh, in all those you interact with. May God bless you, and a happy and holy Christmas to you.